Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome back to 11 Personnel. Nick Roush and Adam Luckett are spinning our wheels. Actually, our wheels aren't spinning. Our wheels spun all the way back to Kentucky after a eventful week in Hoover, Alabama. Luckett, how does it feel to be to be back home after such a chaotic week at SEC Media Days? Well, it felt good to sleep in my own bed. I will say that for sure. Um, just kind of a surreal week for a lot of reasons. Um, usually those media days, like it can be a struggle to find stuff to write about or takeaways or anything like that. Uh, we'll see if you agree with me here in a second, but like there was a lot to unpack from those four days. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no shortage of stories here. Obviously conference realignment talk uh, shook things up to its core. Uh, but hell, even if we really were trying to, we could have talked a lot about Eli Drinkwitz just on day four being more eventful than normal. So, uh, there was a lot to be discussed, but, uh, if you're hearing some stuff in the background, I'm actually outside because I got tired of that air conditioning at the Winfrey hotel. Look at, I know you like football weather, but that was just, that was too much. Yeah, they don't want you sweating in there for sure. Keep it nice and cool in that big ballroom. How does the how does it feel to newfound stardom? Has it has it shook you to your core yet? Or you change man? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I'm still the same. But yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty wild. I'm not going to lie. Um, just having a couple of days that like kind of soak it in has been been pretty crazy. I've watched that clip probably twenty or so times. Um, kind of surreal, and but. I, but I'm just glad I'm just glad I could educate uh, Mr. Saban on personnel packages. Uh, feel feel like the sports in a crisis um, since our greatest coach of all time does not know uh, modern yeah. personnel packages. <laughs> that was that was pretty awesome. That certainly highlighted the week uh, uh, outside of the realignment talk. We also got uh, Josh Pascal shouting out KSR regularly. That's always good whenever you got somebody at the podium. Giving you props. Darian uh, Kennard calling a shot in the East. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got all SEC selections. We also got our preseason predicted order of finish. And, Luckett, before you go off, I would like to just bring up the projected order of finish because did you see where Kentucky, not only did they finish third, we got two first-place votes for the Cates. I did see surprising. that. I did see that. It, it wasn't me. Some- I, it was not me. <laughs> I I I'm happy happy to admit that when it comes to all SEC selections, I just quit. Like I quit trying to be objective a while ago, and I just put all the cats towards the top because you know why not? And they're not going to be getting the votes elsewhere. But it, I do take my projected order finish seriously. I'm not going to be the one 
uh, person who looks silly voting for the Cats in first place. When, in fact, I, I think I did put him second ahead of Florida. But uh, what could I? Well, that I, wasn't even the worst one there, Nick. We had a SDC vote for South Carolina. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, so imagine at least the, at least Kentucky's going to have like a legit team. But yeah, we got we got a vote for South Carolina to win the league. Oh, Shane Beamer. <laughs> Shane Beamer, he must have been awfully convincing. Much better than Brian Harson. Uh, yeah, no Auburn votes <laughs> after that speech. Yeah, and I think we were even maybe willing to do a podcast on uh, Thursday, but it was uh, Brian Harson just killed the vibe. I mean, he absolutely killed the mood. And so, three questions in thirty minutes. I mean. Like and I like to hear the sound of my own voice some, from time to actually I don't. I, that's not even a funny joke. I hate the sound of my own voice. I can't imagine going on and on and on like that. That's he basically did his own personal podcast. Yeah, he pulled a. I'm trying to think. He pulled a Colin Cowherd there uh, at the podium. I mean, that was incredible. And I remember sitting there like I have like after he was done talking, I was like, I've got nothing. I don't know what he said. I think it was a lot of it was like. Two things I remember. One, his kids like Auburn, which he was surprised by. <laughs> and two, it's all about, you know, building building itself, like building good habits. Outside of that, I I, I, I had nothing. Absolutely nothing from, from his 30 minutes. Oh, it was bad. <sighs> it was real bad. Uh, but and you're then right. On driving, driving home, he was on Fine Bomb I was listening to. And I got nothing from that either. At least Paul got to ask him more questions. But just like nothing. I mean, it was just bare bones type stuff. And it, at from least the, from the new head coach, at least in Shane Beamer's case, he would put emphasis on you know he shouted out the tight ends and stuff like that, and he would name his players and stuff. We got none of that really from Harson. It was just oh god, he was bad. It was as boring as you could get. Uh, Sam Pittman was not as energetic as I thought. Like he definitely had some. Seemed like he was a little nervous. Uh, yeah, yeah, but he still had a couple decent lines. Uh, it, it was really from the classic Mark Stoops playbook of have like a prepared joke or two. But his line about, well, we're the defending national champions of toughest schedule. And uh, I was thinking about it. We're, I think we're going to try for a three-peat. Uh, so that was pretty good because if you do look at their schedule – Arkansas, man, I thought uh, my cousin Jeff had it bad up at Purdue. Yeah. The yeah. Arkansas schedule or whoever that is, is if it's your check, dude, I, I appreciate that Eddie's yeah. outgoingness, but God, what a just way to it's, put your new right. coach through the meat grinder. And it's two years in a row where they have to play Georgia in the crossover. Seriously. Because that stuff. last, what, you know, the schedule last year, how funky that got. And then they got to go to Athens this year. Mm-hmm. Arkansas man, but we'll Texas talk about realignment. Too. We'll t- yeah, that too. We'll talk about realignment here soon. But like A and M coming in the league, absolutely killed them because of the the Texas pool that A and M got and it took away from Arkansas. And then if you add Texas and Oklahoma, like I mean, I don't know how much lower they can get, but it's just like a tough climb. Like they they more than anybody need the pod system mm-hmm. to come into effect. Um, because the, the, this division they're in is just – it's just bad. But even the, the media didn't pick them last. They picked Mississippi State last. But the biggest thing I really got from Pittman's comments were just like he really loves Arkansas. 
And he like he culturally is the biggest fit there. I think you could have for a three and seven coach. Mm-hmm. Like he just fits the fabric and the DNA of what what they kind of are. I feel like, um, and they love him for that. But like the the deck is so stacked against him, man. And he's got a great staff. I think I really like Barry Odom as a defensive coordinator. I think Kendall Browse is a good offensive coordinator for Arkansas. They're doing some good stuff recruiting wise, um, but they're, they're they're like top thirty ish. They're, they're recruiting like Kentucky um, kind of area, but they just I mean it's just tough, man. You have to feel for them. Um, like if you go six and six this year, man, they should have a parade and go to the Texas Bowl and just mm-hmm. everybody go get drunk and have a good old time, right? Uh, because right. that schedule is just I mean, it's just a slaughterhouse, man. It, it's just tough. Um, but he's. But if he if he got them good, man, I think that would be fun to watch them. Like if they would, could have like an eight and four top twenty five year, that that would be fun. Um, third party viewing from my seat just to see um, the celebration that would be. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and it uh, it isn't. You 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 mentioned the I. I the how realignment hurt them because it didn't make sense for Arkansas to just set up shop in Texas saying, Hey, we're the closest SEC school. Come, come play with us. A&M had that took away that monopoly. And now A&M maybe was in that monopoly. Uh, but I, I like that you brought up just going to a bowl and, and having that moment because Missouri, there was something I completely forgot about until we had, I, I forget the offensive lineman's name, like it, but this dude Case came Cook. up. To, what was his name? Case Cook. Case Cook. He comes up to the to the podium. He's got his cowboy boots on, and he's just a straight shooter, man. He he had mm-hmm. some some quick witted like uh, you know lines here and there. And then when I asked about the bowl game, because I I completely forgot that they had they were set to go to the music city. Was it Music City or Liberty? Music year? City. And the other team had to cancel for COVID. And then I believe the previous season, they were they had a chance to go at five and seven, but they didn't have the AP. They backed out. Or, yeah, was that what it was? It was either that, that or they backed out because they fired Odom kind of thing. Yeah, like, so they've been in that position two years in a row, but haven't got to play in a postseason game. That's going to be killer, <laughs> like, if you're one of those players. Because- yeah, they have to be chomping at the bit for sure. Right, right. And uh, Eli Drinkwitz, we can get to his quips, but when he talked about Kentucky, that was he was willing to talk trash out there, but not about Kentucky because he knows the significance of that game. He doesn't want to give the Cats any more, uh, any, any more motivation. But he also talked just how big it was for them to beat UK last year. That was a huge deal, helped them really get over the hump just to be in that bowl consideration. And, uh, you know, Stoops, he, he wasn't going to go for the fodder when I talked about Missouri. Maybe he didn't want to punch down. You know, he's also the most coachiest coach of all time when it comes to stuff like that and looking ahead. But in, in Drinkwitz's case, he did not deny the, the importance of that game whatsoever. And uh, in the words of my radio producer, Trevor Kelsey, we might have ourselves a budding rivalry on our hands. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing with that, like all that stuff has to happen organically. So both teams kind of have to be good at the same time for that to happen. Um, that could be happening, but like, do Kentucky fans care about Missouri? Do Missouri fans care about Kentucky? 
No, but it it might be a case where the players do. Almost like Mississippi State, we yeah. saw those games get really nasty. Uh, yeah, the, like I've talked about that. I thought that should be a bigger rivalry, and that that just came and went, and it just hadn't lasted. So I just don't I don't know if that can really happen. Um, but yeah, the, but from importance wise, moving forward, um, especially these two programs remain competent. One, they're going to be pains in the rear for South Carolina and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. as they try to do their rebuild. And then, two, like, there could be some, you know, some stepping on each other's toes because you're both trying to accomplish the same thing, um, which could make, you know, progress for each kind of difficult. And that, like, from that aspect, that happens, and definitely, yeah, you could see kind of a, a rivalry starting to emerge there. I mean, and Drinkowitz, in his comments, Nick, three different questions. Um, he, he, he went – in his opening statements and then a couple other questions, he went out of the way um, to talk about – the win over Kentucky was an accomplishment for us to beat Kentucky. I think it was a big step in the right direction. Um, was, was an answer to the question of his reflection back on year one. And so he, and he comes out and throws a great compliment to um, Stoops to start off and just says, you know, how big that challenge is going to be the first real road game um, to face a real crowd um, early in the season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they are kind of, you know, kind of right there. So that you go to that week two game, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, it's a huge game for both sides. Mm-hmm. There's no getting around that. Missouri's got, you know, Missouri's kind of in the same boat as Kentucky. They've got, you know, a schedule that's pretty manageable. Um, they probably feel like, um, and if they can win that game early, there's, you know, there's an eight and four possibility there where you you could get into the Outback Bowl and you're playing for a top twenty five finish in, in January. Yeah, he 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 wasn't willing to really throw shots at. Kentucky, but he did throw shots at Texas and his rival Arkansas. Uh, there was one guy; he was one of the last ones that 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 fine bomb had on the show. That there was some guys from the Tuscaloosa News that I don't know if they were playing the game like what it contemplated playing the game. They're like, we're gonna hang around to the end. And uh, one guy asked, uh, you know, this all this realignment talk. Would you like to have more rivals? And he was like. Well, I think we got a pretty good rivalry with Arkansas, and uh, I can't remember the last time we, we didn't we lost to him. So I, I really, frankly, I enjoy that rivalry. Yeah, that was it a is good kind of a forced rivalry, shot. though. Right, it is kind of forced rivalry because like Missouri fans hate hate they grew up hating Nebraska and Oklahoma in Kansas in Kansas yeah and Kansas they're a big rival and then Nebraska and Oklahoma for like Kentucky it was like Tennessee and Florida where you just if, you know the schools you just hate right um, and then right, you want right. to beat really bad. At least like Fayetteville uh, is you know northwest. I mean, if when I drive there, I spend regionally it makes sense, Missouri, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was a good shot. And then he really, I mean, I, I hated the. I think some of the stuff was it was Thursday and there was nothing else to talk about. But a lot of the folks were like, "Eli Drinkwood stole the show." But it, I mean, come on. I liked his shot like at Texas and, talking about yeah. horns down, but damn it. I, people are falling for it. Hook on sinker. Like it. I don't him. like it, man. I don't they like do, it. They do love him. He is good in that media setting. And I think like seeing him sit down and talk and same with Beamer. Like I see why both those guys are having success on the recruiting trail. Um, yeah. just it, their charisma and how personable they are, how good they are selling the talking points in their program, uh, pointing out the strengths um, burying the weaknesses, um, keeping the attention on the strengths. You can see why, like, Missouri's on track to have, like, a top 15 class this year. No one's really talking about that. 
but they're on they're on that kind of pace, um, which for Kentucky that's uh like that's a big no no like that right. you don't want that to happen. Um, so you need Missouri to take some L's this year. Maybe hopefully that class can start to fall apart a little bit. Um, but you can see some of the stuff with him. Um, in in game he's really good. I think as a play caller. But you know he's gone his third defensive coordinator in three years as a head coach too, and that defense was really bad at the end of last year. Um, and he had a weird defensive coordinator hire, I thought. Um, so if that doesn't work out, that could be a huge weakness for them. Um, yeah, went to the NFL and got uh, Wilkes, who he was the, the Cardinals. Un- unemployment, I'm pretty sure Steve Wilkes was. He wasn't working last year. Right, right. But he was Cardinals prior to Kingsbury. Uh, and he was the defensive coordinator for the Browns when they had um, – I can see that guy's face now, the awful head coach. Uh, uh, the the guy for the the Bengals. Uh, oh no no, Freddie Kitchens. Yes, Freddie Kitchens. The, yeah, who was the guy? Who's the Bengals guy? Uh, Stu, uh, Hugh Jackson. That's who. Right. Uh, no, the other bad Browns coach. But yes. Yeah, yeah. You, it's there's so many. It's easy to yeah. get confused. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, I, I lost my train of thought going down uh, those weird roads. But I, I do think there's a an extent of I wonder if Louisville fans ever worry that they got the wrong guy. Granite Satterfield right, had from app, had, yeah, yeah. Granite Satterfield had the same, uh, had had a very similar year one. He didn't turn into recruiting success like Drinkwitz had, but you know, Bruce Feldman, all of them were, no, were writing Drink- their stories about Satterfield this time last year, and yeah. now now we're seeing that happen yeah. with Drinkwitz. Well, Drinkwitz just had the Power Five and even high level G five experience. Called plays at Boise State, called plays at NC State, GA at Auburn. Under he's Mount like Malzahn is like his mentor. Um, so he's had big time experience he's at a higher level, yeah. right? Where Satterfield had just like he went to he went to App State, coached at App State, went to Toledo and FIU for three seasons, and then returned for to App State for like a decade. He just hadn't like he just hadn't had the work experience. Mm-hmm. So you know, at, he's his his growing pains are going to be more severe in that job. And that was the biggest question I had with him. And we've seen he hasn't handled a lot of that well, um, which is why they're kind of in the shape they are they're in now. Um, But I do want to touch on the Stoops quote we got, Nick, um, which the one that he just talking about, like taking the program, the national prominence and kind of feeling good where he's at. I'm going to pull that up here. Right. Right. One second. But I thought there was a lot of quiet confidence for Mark Stoops when he was at the podium, like, I think he feels really good with where he, you know, the program's at, even with some of the offseason transition and turmoil. Right, right. Uh, I, the, and, I got the and, quote right here. Okay, let it, let it rip, block it. I said it when I got to Kentucky that we were going to recruit, we were going to develop, we were going to compete. And I wanted to take this program to national prominence, and people laughed at me. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. I'm going to de- I'm going to continue to work. I feel good about where we're at. So to me, like feels like somebody likes his team. Yeah. That number one, that sounds like he feels pretty good about his team. And I think he's still like, there's still some of that Youngstown chip on the shoulder. Um, They're still sleeping on us kind of thing that they're always going to have over there. Um, And I think he feels confident in that offense um, that they're going to be confident on that side of the ball. And I think he thinks his defense is going to be pretty good again. Um, and with that schedule they have, I think they think they're going to have a really good chance to um, 
log a bunch of wins this year. Yeah, and uh, I think if things are trending, keep trending this way towards realignment, this might be the last time you get a schedule like this. Right. Uh, you know, you, you kind of got to strike while the iron's hot. You got a you gotta difficult October, but the rest sits up pretty. So you got to go take advantage of it. And uh, to get back to kind of where we started with predicted order to finish, I thought Missouri was going to be that that kind of team that was the talk of the East as the, the, the next one up after Florida. And that ended up being Kentucky. Uh, yes. So I, that, that was a pleasant surprise. It wasn't necessarily reflected in all SEC selections. Uh, I mean, which you, you had Kennard first team, obviously. Fortner and Rodriguez third team. Pascal second. Corker third. And no specialist anywhere. Not a, not a Wandale, not a... Right. No Wandale Lee. was a surprise. Um, but... But that shot that that's about what I thought. Which um, Kentucky, that's pretty that's pretty strong. Um, and Luckett, can you can you just explain what was happening when you were making your picks? Because when I was scrolling through the ballot, uh, I did it a little bit for you, and I was like, "Oh God, this is he's gonna he's gonna lose it. He is going to lose his yeah. mind." Yeah. First thing on the Missouri, like I think Drinkowitz went on the last day, and a lot of these ballots were casted before he talked. If he would have talked on Tuesday or Monday, mm-hmm. I think we could have saw something a little different. But but at the same time, I think Stoops has – it's just the longevity. He's been there. He's got a name. They Kentucky just keeps winning. Like, I think there's now – like, regionally, I think there's just some faith in him. We've seen it national media-wise talking about mm-hmm. um, the job he's done last year. I just think – I mean, it's taken nine years, but I think he's finally kind of earned that respect. They're just and like, so, you know what, Kentucky's going to show up. They're going to win seven or eight right. games. They're going to well, beat you they're up gonna in the run, They're going to run – yeah, they're going to they're gonna be good on line scrimmage. They're going to run the football. They're going to play good defense. And then if they – who knows? I mean, that was the talk about us, like, on SC Network and stuff. It's like if they can figure out the quarterback play, yeah. like, they could have something. Chris Doring um, called it the most important quarterback competition in the SEC. So, yeah, they. I mean, that. I just think that's kind of what he earned. Now we can get into all SEC teams – like, like, I mean, I start here every year, but they have three offensive tackles, one guard and a center on the first team. Like, they clump the guards and tackles together. I just the, – the way they clumped all the defensive backs together. Defensive cl- backs one drives me the craziest because – They're even listed usually- – well, guards and tackles, are, like, they're listed different on all these rosters. I don't – why are we – why are we grouping them together – um, linebackers the same way. Like there's edge players, and then there's inside linebackers. <laughs> like it's, like the, it's like, silly. Yeah, like the first team defense. If I can find it here, like you've got Adam Anderson and um, Will Anderson Jr. Both Georgia and Alabama. Like they should be on there, but they're, those guys are edge players. They're not. They're not like Mike, like Mike linebackers, and then like. We just had the blind faith Alabama picks with Toa Toa and Christian Harris. Both those guys are good. Both those guys are pros. But, like, Grant Morgan at Arkansas was better than both of them last year. He was a monster for a a surprising defense. He he led the league in tackles. He was all over the place. Like, that's a kid that deserved to be first-team All-SEC. And they just, like, Toa Toa was not good last year for Tennessee. Hmm. Um, A lot of it probably wasn't his fault. But he was not good. And then you just – and Grant Morgan was a first-team All-SEC guy. And just the blind faith picks, 
like that. Those those are things that get on my nerves. Um, that and the, but the setup was more um, ridiculous. Justin Schaefer, PFF, had him a first team offensive guard at Georgia. Mm-hmm. They only allow you so many players per team, I guess, to nominate. So he wasn't on the ballot. Tyke Smith was a first team All American at West Virginia last year. First team All American, all All American, like he best was, in the nation. He was not on the ballot. Um, blind faith, the center position, Nick Brahms, Auburn, run of the mill center, average center at best. Um, like the best center is probably the guy Missouri has, Michael Mayetti, um, third team center. I just, I, I mean, I know I'm getting in the weeds a little bit, but it, it just like how do we do this is just crazy. You, you pick the brands, and that's why I, I think when I made mine this. In addition to being bullish on Kentucky guys, I don't no. think I think Toto to, gosh, Toto to, I think he was the only uh, yeah. And it's not just Alabama brands. guy I had in there, yeah. you know. Like I, I try to just avoid have, that Alabama guys. Yeah, and the problem I have with brands is like Nicobe Dean was a top twenty recruit from Georgia, inside linebacker. He started for Georgia last year. Was good for Georgia. He was better. He was. I thought he was better than the two guys Alabama had last year. He's third team. But they, the Alabama guys are first team. I'm just like, this is just stupid. Like, why don't we? Why don't we? What are we even doing here? And yeah. I know, I just, man, it just drives me crazy. Um, and then you got six defensive linemen on the first team. <laughs> like, what? I, I just don't, I don't get it, man. I guess Adam Anderson, he wasn't even on the first team. I'm looking now. What team was he on? Oh, did he not even make it? Well, that's a mistake because he, he might win SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Because <laughs> he's the best. He's gonna Adam Anderson is gonna be the first guy since Josh Allen to reach double digit sacks. That's my hot prediction. So you all have heard it here. If you can get that that exotic play at your sports book, go ahead and play it because that's yeah. Uh, heard it here first, folks. Yeah, he's not even on uh, on an all SEC team because he probably got lumped in with linebackers. He did. Yeah, and then the people are busy picking stand up guys. It don't make any sense, and uh, that's it's funny every year to see how things shake out and the, the ties this year is even funnier. Um, I, I hadn't seen that in, up until now where they're just like, well, they have the same amount of votes. We're just going to stick them all on the team. So a lot of S- all SEC selections, uh, Luke Fortner is going to end up playing go- uh, center and, you know, he's just offensive lineman. So funny how all this stuff works out. Um, almost as funny as realignment talk because like it, I forgot what percent I put it at earlier on the week, but we needed to record before you hit vacation next week because by the time you get back, the SEC could have 16 teams. Hell, they might have 20 by the time you get back. <laughs> yeah, it could be the uh, S. Um, we could have an NWO SEC takeover. Seriously, of college football, but but yeah, man, I just think it's it's crazy. Um, but one thing I do want to say, Nick, like all of this is happening very like smooth and easy, mm-hmm. and that's not how conference realignment works. <laughs> like if you're Georgia or Florida um, or even LSU, I would throw in this bucket. Yep. You're in the SEC. You're, you're grinding it every year. You're recruiting at a high flight level, and it's still hard for you to potentially win a national championship. Why in the world would you be cool with – um, oh, number one, Oklahoma coming in, and then Texas as well. Like, I don't understand why, like, like those people would just be like, "All right, let's do it." 
Um, I, I know money is all, but like, what, what point do we get to like, how much money is like, I mean, we're, they're making so much now, I guess is my point. At what point is there no return is more money, not giving yeah. you the advantage, I, you know, yeah, I think it becomes part, where it's almost irrelevant. Yeah. I think part of this is driven by, um, lack of attendance at games. Like that. I think they're looking f- to more sec games. And then if you can add like some of these brand names, like obviously it's going to be easier for them to sell tickets, mm-hmm. but you don't have to like go out and schedule Texas and or have Texas and Oklahoma in your conference to do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and then A&M is not going down without a fight. Nope. Uh, the Texas state legislature is not either. I saw where yeah. they, since well, it was a guy, the governor, they got to put yeah, their two cents in, you know, a guy from Lubbock did that, um, which that has very few, little chance of passing through. So like, yeah, yeah but the big thing is their border AM border regents, what kind of mess they can make with the SEC offense, like SEC office, excuse me. Is it um so that's my only thing. Like like that's that like there's still a lot of hoops to jump through for this. I mean it looks like it's gonna happen, but like we're gonna get some drama over these next couple weeks. Um we're still in those very early stages. Yeah. Well, the fact that they kept it like the fact that Texas has been doing this for six months, three to six months, wherever, and they've kept it quiet. Like shout out to their new athletic director, Chris Del Conte, um, because that that is that is like near impossible to do Um, (laughs) to do that. Like that. I mean, that that's a sign to me like they they, might have their act act together. I mean, he's gone and hired a new football and basketball coach. He, you know, he's pulling off this boss move and got Oklahoma to join him. Like that, that could be good stuff for Texas. Yeah. And I, I love too that we're also so early in the, uh, like the reactionary phase that we're just going to like the, to the nth degree. You know, like we take these steps in logic so far so quickly. Uh, that- yeah, you have to let the cake bake a little bit here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, there's no, like, legitimate reports out there. They're all kind of, oh, man, I heard they, that they're going to be going after Clemson, Ohio State, and Michigan, too, which would just be a hilarious, like, okay, so <laughs> is this just going to be, like, uh, the, the haves versus the haves-nots? I, I think we're, we're, like you said, there, there comes a point where you're putting ducks way too far uh Actually, I should say a horse way too far behind the cart, uh, and it's just not going to work that way. Now, still fun, though. Still a lot of fun. Oh, realignment Twitter is the best version of college football Twitter. I mean, it is like last night was I was just sitting on my couch by myself cackling out loud with some of these tweets. (laughs) Oh, man. It's good stuff. It's enjoyable. Uh, But we finally get to exhale a little bit. Uh, fan day will be two weeks from today. Yeah, two weeks from today, April 7th, Saturday morning. Uh, they haven't released any further details as to how that'll work. I know it was always a lot of pictures and autographs in the past. Don't know if that'll change because of COVID protocols yeah. or what have you, but Only we'll have that out later. Yeah, uh, and I want to say one more thing on realignment from Kentucky's point of view. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever pod they're in is going to be, like, determine my thought on this. Like, if they're in the right pod with, like, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Tennessee, then they're going to be fine. If they don't and they put them in another pod, like, that's not going to be good for Kentucky. It's going to make football pretty much impossible 
And like, you know, from that, from that point of view, it's going to determine like how much is the money worth it and how much is it worth just getting, you know, cause then you're going to, what it's going to lead to is you just becoming a doormat again. And so they're going to have to have like, <clears throat> we'll see how all this goes, but like if there's an, like if the ACC is making money and there's an opening and they already have an ESPN contract, like you could, you know, potentially go there and basketball would be king and you have chance to be competitive in football. Like, obviously we got to get a lot, you know, get there. Um, but that's just something that's popped in my mind so far. Interesting. Interesting. I know I've heard folks say that plenty of times before, especially Louisville fans around here, you'd be better off in the ACC. Uh, but I think that there's like, it, it comes down to, you need 75% of the league to vote it for that to happen. You definitely have Texas A&M against, you really only need what, two more to make it happen or three more. You only need four. Missouri's probably on the fence as well. I, you know, is is Arkansas going to be against it too? Probably. So I, yeah, the um, it's just <clears throat> the money aspect of this all is just going to be crazy. I, I mean, I don't know. Like that's why I don't, we don't know. Like has the league office had talks with the the ads and presidents about this? And are they all for? I mean, we're hearing source reports that it's gonna it's gonna pass thirteen to one. I mean, okay, I mean, we don't know what that, that means. I mean, I mean, I'm interested to see like it because it on the surface it doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of teams in this league outside of like Alabama. I mean, Alabama doesn't care, especially as long as they got saving. Mm-hmm. Um, but to but to add to like big shots like that, um, because in expansion before it was never adding a big shot blue blood. They added South Carolina, Arkansas, in '92. Then they added AM Missouri. Um AM at the time was not like what they are now. They were lower rung. Um, yeah. So at the time it was just kind of expanding your footprint, but it was never coming at, you know, the big dogs in the conference. Um, this is doing that. And so I'm just interested to see how everybody kind of sees that. Yeah. Long way to go still, but uh, I'm sure plenty will happen when you're gone. Uh just I think things will slow down relatively until we get to uh, the start of camp here in two weeks, but there will still be some news from time to time. And uh, as always, we're going to be all over it. Like it. Hey, this was a fun media days experience. Uh, It had a little bit of everything and uh, I I hope you enjoyed your first trip to Hoover. I did Atlanta next year, and then I think Nashville after that. So we'll get, we're going to get to move around a little bit. And then if this Texas-Oklahoma thing happens, we're going to be in Dallas, I would imagine, at Jerry Jones' stadium Ooh. for one of these things. That could be something. Could be really something, Clark. Uh, but, hey, go uh, go enjoy your, your weekend. Uh, we're happy to give you a little extra football content. And uh, lucky you enjoy your vacation. It was a fun, fun time. I hope you had a happy birthday hanging out with your pal, Nick uh, Saban, not Nick Roush. Uh, and we hope you all enjoyed all of our coverage from down here at Media Days. There's still plenty of cleanup work to be done uh, that you'll find on the site throughout next week. And, and as always, remember to go Cats and go Kroger.